0: Hello, and welcome back to Hope Reclaimed. I'm your host, Ellie Hope Herringshaw, and I'm glad you're here today. It's on this podcast that we talk about active and practical ways that we can step into healing from divorce, betrayal, and grief. Because Jesus has already extended everything to us, and sometimes he's inviting us to take a step of faith towards that. We are closing out our series today on family dynamics, and I'm going to be talking with Lizzie Rayford and her parents, Stan and Carolyn Miller. Several years ago, Lizzie's first husband passed away, leaving her and her boys alone. Except, thankfully, they didn't need to be alone. Her parents really stepped in to give her practical help and emotional support. So we talk about what it is looking like for her to be a single parent, but also getting support from her parents as grandparents and kind of co-parents to her. They have a very unique perspective of of this, and I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. Be encouraged. Lizzie, as hard as this is going to be, I'd love to hear, kind of just set the standard here, the the stage of what happened. Yeah. um, So my husband,
1: uh, Eric, passed away pretty suddenly um, from some medical complications, and um, what that left us with then was I had a nine-month-old, Billy, and a 24-month-old, 28-month-old um, Bingham, you know, who I had been staying home with at the time. Um, and so I had no job. Um, I was completely devastated with the loss of my husband and the loss of my kid's daddy. And, um, you, you know, what what do you do in those yeah. brief moments, those terrible um, circumstances? And what happened was um, my family... Um came back from vacation, so my parents came back from vacation to help me out. Um, my sister um, came around to help me do some child care. Um, my other siblings were there to catch me when I fell. Um and just the church was all around yeah. me at that time, um in a larger sense of family, and Eric's family is still very close um, to me. They're, you know they were there, and we helped each other through this and so in the months that followed what ended up happening was i moved in with my parents and my sister was still living there at the time too so she um additionally helped with childcare um she was the person on my wedding day with my late husband to sit me down and remind me to breathe and continued to be one of the people saying it's just breathe and she would laugh with me and she would cry with me um and so from the very first moment that tragedy struck, um, my family was right there and we were doing it together.
0: Wow. What was that like for for you guys?
2: As empty nesters, we had taken our first vacation uh, to Texas. We had just gotten there, set ourselves up in the hotel room, only to get a call from our daughter that her husband was um, being, um, uh, taken to the hospital in Madison and she was afraid he was going to die. And so from that moment forward, it was one moment at a time, um, trying to learn to breathe again. And so a theme that, uh, came for us as a family and individually working, uh, with Lizzie was honey, just breathe.
0: Wow. So I would love to hear, um, Carolyn and Stan, how, um, what it was like for you to give support to your daughter who was grieving.
3: Well, I I think in a lot of ways, we sort of went on autopilot. We were were all in shock. Um, Stan and I had a close relationship already with her sons, Bingham and Billy. And um, so we were concerned in seeing Elizabeth pretty much shut down in her grief, and in her shock, she was for a while unable to respond to their needs. And so it was really clear. I um, spent a month with her where she lived. And it was clear in that month. In Wisconsin, yeah. Wow. Um, And it was clear in that month that she was going to need more support than somebody just (laughs) kind of, uh, you know, coming alongside and doing it. And so... Um, we agreed at that point she was moving to our house, and that we were going to set things in place to enable her to heal. Yeah, and uh, begin to figure out what life was going to be like from this point on.
0: Yeah, Lizzie, when you were um, going through this, I mean, I want I want you to comment on that if you can. Did you? Is that how you felt that that? someone, someone needed to step in and just begin to make decisions for you as you were in crisis mode and in total grief.
1: Yeah. So, um, I like that my dad went back a little bit further to the helping me breathe thing right away from the hospital room where my husband was dying. Um, but I couldn't breathe. And so I had to reach out for extra help. And then my mom was able to get there. Um, she sees Bingham and Billy in ways that most grandparents might not be able to. I think sometimes parents aren't, that she can just see what they need and um, mm. is able to respond to them really well. She understands them. That's and really when cool. I saw that, it was um, it was a relief because um, though I love them, and I think they're my kids for some very important reasons, um, to have somebody who could understand them so well and love them very much, like their mother, even though she wasn't their mother. Um, was like, okay, now I can focus on myself. I can try and make next steps for our family. Yeah. Um, and so, though I was very weak and I was very much struggling um, with the grief and I felt shattered. Um, but um, it was it was a relief to me to be able to shatter. Because somebody else was there to catch my kids. Who, if right. they, didn't, if they only had me, um, I was afraid that they would shatter too.
0: Wow, that is yeah. I mean, I think that's such an important point that you're that you needed to you needed to feel like they were okay, and having a support coming in to mainly give support to 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 you too, Lizzie, but also to your to your boys. You were able to really break down and respond in the way that you needed to respond at the time. Stan, you were going to say something there.
2: I'm just going to say that from the get-go, uh, Carolyn and I were able to talk briefly before I got on the plane to, to fly to, uh, Wisconsin. Um, we knew that we needed to be whatever Lizzie needed for us without taking over. Um, that we needed to support her when decisions had to be made. We needed to be able to step back and uh be uh to honor and be respectful to eric's parents as they were going through the loss of their son um we just needed to be whatever they needed us to be at the time yeah um so that um the decisions could be made because it was obviously a very trying and difficult time for all involved and um uh Lizzie needed space at the same time she needed somebody to um, just take over um, with the boys. And it wasn't just us, it was the the rest of the family, both Scott and Cheryl's family, the other parents, Eric's parents, and um, the rest of our children um, stepping in, um, Nate and Jess getting there before we could because they were coming from Minneapolis and we still had to catch planes. it was a, it was a whole family uh both sides yeah. um, exp- experience and, and and none of us knew how to do it because we hadn't been through it before
0: right and that, that so that was the like the immediate response was a lot of people coming in kind of assessing the situation of the you know obviously the the um the medical crisis of it but also the emotional crisis of what Lizzie, you were experiencing, and the boys were experiencing. Totally, I mean, they're they're tiny at the time, so they didn't they didn't know. And um, so I just love that you said that it was it was like a family response. Everyone kind of coming in together and and um, giving the support that was needed.
2: Yep, and in that way, it was it was I think what every family would want to do you just you just do what you have to do to provide the support for your children that they're in need of yeah. our uh, family motto um our family vision has been that we would use our time talented talents and resources to um uh to empower our children to be world changers um in their in their fear, spheres of influence and right in that moment uh, they just needed us to be there and to yeah. be the support that she needed for us at the time
0: yeah, I think I think that's so powerful. But what what was interesting in this process, too, is, yes, it was an immediate response, like, you know, you're in you're you're in crisis mode in that moment. And then it expanded for quite a while. So what was the next step of this? Um, so, Carolyn, you you stayed in Wisconsin for a month. Is that right? Yes.
3: And then we moved Elizabeth and the boys to our home, and they had their own space uh, on the third floor so that they could come down and be with us, but they also could just be the three of them sometimes too. And one thing that was obvious right off the bat that we needed to um, figure out, uh, part of empowering Elizabeth was... um, I couldn't just take over. I couldn't just do for her all the time. So we had to put some things in place that she initially maybe wasn't, didn't really like, but they were important for her and the boys. And one of them was, um, she would be the one to get up with them every morning and she would be the one to put them to bed every night. Um, and In doing that, it gave her a reason to have to get out of bed every morning. Yeah. And it was the hardest thing for her to do. And it was really hard for me as a mom to make her do that. Yeah. But it was essential to do. And so there were lots of little decisions like that of deciding that she was going to remain the mom and I was going to remain the grandmom. Yes. That... Um, Any decisions that I wasn't maybe in agreement with what she thought the boys should be doing or allowed, um, I absolutely had to defer
1: to what she thinks.
0: Yeah. Lizzie, I want you to comment on that if you can.
1: So, absolutely. Um, My mom said I agree with, and it was hard at first. And I think part of the reason, a really big part of the reason it was hard, is I kind of had mentioned on our podcast we did a couple of years ago, that looking into my children's eyes sometimes was like um, looking into Eric's eyes. Yeah. And remind, it reminded me, he's not here anymore. And at bedtime, it was the two of us always putting our kids to bed. Yeah. So bedtime was especially difficult for me at first because it, I was confronted with loss at that time more than any other time of the day. And in the morning, same, I mean, same thing, often Eric wouldn't be there because he'd be at work. But in the morning, I was waking up to the reality of my life. And so in those early days, those waking up in the morning and putting them to bed at night were the hardest part of my day. Um, and But then what ended up happening, which I think um, my mom and my dad had some really good foresight on, was that those moments at night and in the morning ended up being the best time for Bingham and Billy and I to connect. Um, that they knew whatever happened in the day, they would always see me yeah. and I knew whatever I had in the day, we would always get to end together and do our routine, whatever we needed to do so that we still always had that stabilization of this is our family yeah. and Grandma and Papa are also our family, but it's the three of us as a whole family unit. And, um, and it just, things were better when we worked together to Accomplish
0: that. Yeah. And I think I'm sure there was some really important bonding that happened in that time. Um, in that in that moment of putting them down and and waking up with them, that they they come to you in that time. Um and I'm sure that was incredibly challenging for you, Lizzie, because you didn't know what you needed. You probably thought you just needed to sleep. (laughs) Because because when you're grieving sometimes that's all you want to do is sleep or, or just watch Netflix or something. Um, that must've been so hard for you, Carolyn, to, to kind of implement that and put that into place and hold firm to it. Um, and I, I, I've talked to my mom a little bit about being a grandma and then to my sister-in-laws who are parents and they've, they've said a couple of times, like, Well, my, you know, your mom knows all these things about being a mom, and I can just like they just want to defer to her for some things because she's been there and she's been a mom for so long. And of course, you have so much wisdom as as a mother for so many years. Um, So that must have been so challenging to just hold back and not not just step in as a fixer and as a I'm going to come in and I'm going to, I want to help, help, help.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a matter of um, keeping in perspective and asking myself, what do those two little boys need the most right now? They've lost their daddy. Wow. They they can't lose their mommy too. Yeah. I
2: was going to say a general struggle that people have when they return home, regardless, regardless of their age, regardless of their circumstances, is to become a child again in the home of their parents and to fall back into uh, their roles within that family system and so we were fighting against that a little bit in addition to um when you're you're an adult and you've lost somebody in your life um the grief itself um causes you to go inward and the boys needed lizzie to um stay present and and that was a constant struggle um for her and for us working with her because um, I have a general life principle and that is if, if I'm trying to help somebody in the weight room of life and I lift the weights for them, if we lift the weights for her, we get stronger. And so we were constantly going back to, she needs to lift the weights and we need to stay out of her way as much as we can. And so there were many family meetings where we had to come together and um, challenge one another both to back off and to um, allow Lizzie and encourage her to lift the difficult weights
0: yeah, I'd love to talk about what that communication was like for you guys, living under the same roof. I'm sure you needed to build boundaries and and communicate what your needs were, what your feelings were and that changed
3: over time, you know initially. Initially, Lizzie was just uh, trying to survive and just figuring out what weights were, you know, not how to lift them. And um, then there came a time where she needed a life that was beyond the boys in order to kind of get away from the grief for a while. And so she took on a job that was a very encouraging right up her alley, just what she had gone to school for opportunity. And um, so then we had to figure out, okay, so how is that going to work? If, if she's going, who's going to watch the boys? And what is that? How many hours? And how do we keep our schedules in sync with all of that? And so yeah, it was a it was a continual, probably a weekly thing that needed to happen just to make sure we could um, confront any conflicts before right. they were um, major conflicts. You know, <laughs> to be make sure we're staying on the same page. And if we had to have the rule that if anybody is starting to feel frustrated, that we could talk about that frustration um, without, it, we had to put our armor on before the
1: conversation happens so that we could talk about it. um yeah so we spent a lot of time together obviously since we were there um even before this i was really close with um grand and papa with my parents um and so yeah moving in with them was in some ways like oh no i'm going home to live with my parents but in a lot of ways it was like a, a relief because they're my best friends um and so we spent a lot of time together so in the evenings. Um, sometimes it was okay we need to have a family meeting tonight and we would talk about all the things and sometimes it was hey before we start this episode I have a thought what do you think about this and what if I try this differently or what if you try this differently or um, we had to keep schedules um, readily available where we could see them and there's some weekends where I would want to just take the boys and go for a drive to see Eric's parents or you know, just to go somewhere else. And, um, I'd have to let them know fairly well in advance, I'm going to do this. This is where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing. And it wasn't so much of a curfew kind of a yeah. thing or a, um, like they weren't controlling my schedule as much as it was just, right. um, you know, there yeah, was just the expectation a of bit if the I time and all of that if, needed to know. be
0: communicated well. I'm sure that was complicated because, I mean, a major change happened in terms of your living situation, but a major change happened in terms of in terms of your relationship status, which is the biggest change, of course. Um, Carolyn and Stan, I'd love to hear how your support of Lizzie in her grief process. Um, what was that like for you to grieve yourself as you are really focusing your efforts on helping? and, um, and being an encouragement to, um, to Lizzie and her children. But what was it, what was the grief like for you and how did you practically process it?
3: Well, honestly, I would say, um, we pretty much grieved vicariously. So I became the person that Bingham was able to ask the questions of. Um, so he, he would talk to me about things that he, was a, he, he couldn't really talk to his mom about because she would cry. It would be too hard for her to hear his little voice ask some of those questions. And so I became that person for him. So I felt like I needed to remain strong yeah. when I heard those questions Good. come. And I could cry later. Or, you know, process later with Stan. Um, And we made sure that we got weekly dates going and all of that happening. But um, honestly, we learned when Lizzie got married and they moved out, Mm -hmm. we discovered that there was a lot of grieving that we had not done. And so this year, we are grieving in ways that we, it's been four years, but we are grieving um, things that we really hadn't before, wow. because we were too busy uh, grieving with them.
2: Um, one of the, as a, as a father, um, I was close with Eric, um, but at the same time, uh, just remembering back to a statement Lizzie had made to me, in tears, she said, who could possibly ever love me? And... Um, we wanted her to see herself um the way that we saw her and the way that we saw the boys she was a package and um just continuing to support her and nurture her and i know that eric's parents did as well and still do she's maintained a very close relationship with them and them with uh, her and the boys and uh, that was very important for her um to continue and and is um, in, the, in the grieving process and to maintain those relationships because Scott and Cheryl have been um, uh, stability for the boys as well, just uh, from a, more from a distance because of them having lived with us for the four years. Um, and then uh, just personally going to work uh, the, a few days after the funeral and working with people who had been in ICU and uh, working through their grief with them um, as a psychologist, um, it, it's it's like you're thrown into the grief every moment, and then there's just no relief from it. But you just move on because you have to. And each day, God gives you the strength that you need for that day, um, not for tomorrow, but for yeah, that day. That's
0: beautiful. And I think I think Carolyn, you brought up an interesting point that now you're grieving in a new way. You're grieving something else. And I think that's totally normal. (laughs) I think that's totally okay, that there is these layers to it. And when those emotions come up, it's like, wait a second, I thought I dealt with it. But okay, I need to deal with it. I need to just process it and go with it. Um, And then hand it over to the Lord and surrender it when it comes up. That that's not a reflection on, on us and the way that we've processed. It's just what our capacity was maybe at the time or what the Lord is revealing to us that he wants to do a new healing. And he's so faithful to heal that part of our heart when it comes up. So I think that's a really important point when people, people can be discouraged sometimes by that um, when it's been a while and we are crying again. Um, and I, I, I've i talked with many people like that. And Lizzie, I think we've had these conversations too, that that sometimes it's like, it's like it hurts again, um, and, and in, those, in those moments, we just have to be really patient with ourselves and surrender it over to the Lord and step into it, you know? Yeah, well, and I found
3: that my grief when they were living with me was, I don't know how else to describe it other than vicarious or, or sort of secondary. I was sad that they were sad, but I had myself on ice, kind of. And now, um, when something reminds me of Eric, it's a personal thing. It's not that I'm sad that Lizzie lost her husband or that I'm sad that the boys lost their daddy. It's that I'm sad that I lost my son.
0: Right. Cause it's not supposed to be that way.
2: And it's not that just that I would agree with Carolyn that that there was a time when we weren't able to grieve so much for ourselves and now we do have that opportunity. Um, every day when I just open my Bible and I just read just for myself, I, I have Eric's picture that's uh, a bookmarker and I'm able to grieve my loss of my relationship with my my son-in-law um, and alongside that I'm able to celebrate that I have two other son-in-laws and and uh, uh, Lizzie's yeah. new husband that we love and cherish and, um, it, 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 your heart just grows bigger and, and you have room for the, the other, even though there's the loss of, uh, of Eric and, um, and our relationship with him that we, we miss.
0: Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Thank you for saying that. What would you, what would you tell your former selves that you wish you knew at the time? I think that
3: it is, it's okay that we're going to do it differently than other people would do it. We, we don't have to conform to some of the rules that our society has because there are a lot of them about how grandparents can relate to their grandchildren and how, what kind of influence we can insert into the lives of our kids. There were, I'm sure, people that watched us and felt like we were too hands-on, we were too helicopter, we were too controlling as grandparents, that um, I had no business homeschooling my grandsons. I had no business um, having Lizzie have to live in my house Um, and even being the one to set those boundaries. I'm sure there were people on that side of it. And there were people on the other side of it who would have said, "Um, who are you to tell her uh, how to relate to her sons, that she has to be the one to get up with them? How can you do that to her? Or that she has to be the one to put them to bed all the time. How is she supposed to go out with her friends? How is she supposed to be able to, Mm
0: you
3: know, everybody has their opinions. And um, even just our culture at large has rules about um, grandparents being hands off, that you only do the fun things, that you don't say what you think um, or give your advice. And I would give myself permission to not listen to those other voices, but only listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance in it and to do what he was instructing us to do as a family and not worry about what it looks like on the outside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lizzie, what do you, um, in response to that, what would you say? Um, so just to touch on
1: my side yeah. of that too, um, I, I felt very conscious of how other people, I've always felt very conscious of how other people are seeing me or how I perceive that they're seeing me. Um, and so I felt often like people were saying, why are you, um, why are you letting your mom do these things with your kids? Why aren't you doing that? Why haven't you bought a house yet? Why haven't you started dating and gotten married yet? Why haven't you all of these things? Why are you just yeah. letting your parents do it and you're not being independent? And again I had to um just go back to this is how our family does it, better together in our family and it might look different in another family. Um different families have different people involved in their family unit. Um but ours looks this way for right now and in, in this season this is what works. And to follow the Holy Spirit on that rather than my perception of what people were telling me was the correct way to do it. Um, Yeah.
0: Parenting is hard. I'm not a parent. I don't know that, but I mean, I've heard parenting is hard. Single parenting is like next level where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing this on your own. And, and what I love is that you, Lizzie, invited your family, you invited your parents in to be support to you and support to your kids as grandparents, yes, but as, as kind of an extension of, and I mean, is that maybe even the right words to say, like an extension of parents?
1: Yeah, in some ways, I thought of them um, like co parents together. They were like a co parent. And it, um, it also took the pressure off of me to. You know, I'd been told, I told myself, I guess my whole life, you know, there needs to be a mother, there needs to be a father, and this is the only way children will be happy if they have both a mother and a father. And when I was suddenly in the position of there's a mother, but there's no father, um, there was this fear that nagged on me that my children were not going to be okay. And I I don't think that that's just a fear. I think there was, you know, some enemy movement on that, just drilling these lies into my head and it would, it would drive me to tears. But the fact that, um, well, when my parents were able to come alongside me and the boys in such a way that they were like a co-parent, it took that pressure off and it let me release that lie. Um, And so I could be the best mom that I could be. Um, That if there were holes, not only would Jesus be filling in the holes for me um, and filling in the holes of my late husband but also my parents would be there to very practically help me get food in my kids bellies um to be that other person saying you were maybe a little harsh on that one or um you know they they might need you to say no right now um things that a co-parent does um and so i was yeah i was very thankful that they could come alongside me and be a co-parent and it was sort of weird when I did start dating again and I I did get really close with my boyfriend and then fiance and then we got married and we moved away and there's this whole role that switched hands and um, I was thankful in that moment for my husband's graciousness, Davin, my current husband's graciousness in that and his love for Bingham and William and for my parents who he calls mom and dad as well and for their graciousness as well in accepting him and kind of handing
0: over the reins. I would love for you guys to comment on that. What was it like to be co-parents, you know, I use that in quotes, co-parents and then need to allow Lizzie to leave and cleave again?
2: Well, one thought that just to go back, what, what would I do differently? And what would I tell my former self? It would be, um to realize as is often said that that the time passes very fast because in the moment it wasn't easy it was really hard um to uh, make some of those transitions um to um share the space uh to um not get frustrated when stepping on legos at this point in our lives um, when uh, my wife wouldn't answer her phone because she was busy taking care of grandchildren when I felt that she should be at my beck and call. All of those things were, were difficult, um, but at the same time, um, important, and we just had to keep leaning into one another. I'm not sure if I'm answering the question, but we, we were. it was, uh, it was a day-by-day day, um, learning to breathe again, um, working together as a team because we do it better together, um, continuing to remind each other that, that we're in this together and we're, 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 we're not going to leave anybody behind, um, we to move forward. And then giving Lizzie the space to, um, start a new relationship and giving her not only the space to do that, but empowering her to do that by, uh, not going on a date ourselves so that our daughter could date, um. Uh, uh, there will be a time for that later. We'll have time again to be just the two of us, like we are right now. Now we we we, we get to learn how to be a couple again because that time has passed. And Lizzie's remarried, and and um, it, it's hard to be to not be selfish with your time.
0: Yeah, but it's important. You guys sacrificed a lot for this.
2: Yes, and it wasn't easy, um, but. With God's help, um, giving us the strength day to day, it it was certainly possible, and, and he blessed that.
3: I would say that the harder part for me was in that transition of them moving away. Letting go. That letting go. I still miss them horribly every day. It has been really difficult. One thing that we've done and that I would encourage any grandparent to do, is we have continued reading chapter books Aww. together. And so almost every day, some days it doesn't work, but almost every day we video chat and I'm reading through chapter books with them because it's just a habit that we developed together when they lived with me. And so we continue that. That is get such a cool idea.
0: <laughs> I love I that. see
3: their little faces and we um, share, you know, whenever you share a book, with someone, it's like you get to have um, another story, another way to connect with them. And you know, we have our world that we go to. Currently, Little House in the Big Woods and Farmer Boy.
0: Yes, those are great. I, Little House on the Prairie, those whole, Laura Ingalls Wilder, I grew up on those. We read all of them. so They're going to they're have so many amazing memories of, of kind of escaping in their imagination with, with grandma. I love it. Yeah, Lizzie, I'd love for you to touch just briefly on what it was like for you to leave in Cleave again this time with your boys and supporting them even in the grief of not having their their grandparents with them all the time. And I don't want to use grief lightly because I'm sure it was a loss for them to have Grandma and Grandpa not there twenty four seven.
1: Yeah. So they they are incredibly resilient children. Gosh, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm sad for them for all the changes Mm -hmm. that they've had to go through in their lives. But I'm also thankful on the other hand, that they are very compassionate little boys. Um, They seem to understand family dynamics and, Oh, your family looks a little different. Okay. That makes sense because so does. Yeah. Um, And they're, (laughs) they've been, they've been through so many different kinds of loss um, and I'm the kind of person that wants to have very serious conversations with my now five year old and six year old. Um, and so we talk through like everything and we continue doing that. I think probably even before I sort of came back into consciousness, I'd say after six months after Eric died is when I think I came back into myself. Um, but then we continued having those serious conversations and I would always check in with them, you know, is are you, how are you doing how are you feeling is does this make you angry is this sad for you or and sometimes they wouldn't have the words so we'd just cuddle um, yeah. tv shows or movies were really helpful have you noticed maybe yeah. that like in every disney movie there's a death of a parent
0: um, oh my gosh i know
1: all of them and so we were you know after a movie where the especially dad died like the dinosaur movie or you know some others um yeah. We'd have the conversation. Did you feel like that kid did when his dad died? Or um, you know, just different things like that. And we kept doing that. And so they wow. were they wanted me to start dating. Probably they did? They did. They started talking about, okay, when are you gonna get us a daddy? Like it's a puppy or something.
0: Oh Uh, my gosh, that's hilarious! Well, Billy started
1: praying for a baby sister well before you started dating. Oh man!
0: And you were like, "Well,
1: in order for that to happen, (laughs) there need to be some things in place, Billy." (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell you about yet, but
0: (laughs) that's a conversation for another time.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, but they so they started probably you know three months after, or or some some ridiculous number to me, like you know do this. Um, and then I had to make a decision then that I wasn't going to just date because I felt like they needed a dad or because they right, were missing their dad and so felt like that would fill the hole because I, I kind of knew it wouldn't fill fulfill them or fulfill me. I yeah. needed to follow God's timing. And um, also my heart wasn't ready to yeah. expand until, you know, finally started dating. And I did talk to them about, hey, I'm going out on um, some dates, and I'm meeting some people, and I'm looking for somebody who would be a really good husband and love me well, and somebody who would love you well, and somebody who will love Gran and Papa well. Um, and so we had those conversations, which, again, I think that's sort of, I would imagine that's sort of strange to be talking to very young children about, hey, I'm dating now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in our relationship, that was very important, and it was helpful, I think, for Bingham to. You know, feel like he had a say in yeah. time, but um, probably the probably a month before I even met Davin, Billy said very seriously to me, like I mean, grabbing my collar as I'm about to give him a kiss goodnight or whatever, and said, "Mom, I need you to know that I'm praying to have a daddy, and God is sending me a daddy right now." And I said, "Oh yeah, someday maybe," and bold. And Billy said, "No, right now." You, you, soon I'm gonna have a daddy
0: and oh my god like
1: okay this seems more serious than usual um <laughs> and also good night go to bed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and just you know prayed into that and kind of yeah. kept my ears and eyes open as I had been for a little while met davin and um you know not only was I very attracted to him but um, it just became more and more clear that he might be a really good father and so they they eventually met him took a while um for that and then um he spent more time with them when i was around um i don't think he spent any time solo with them until gosh i don't i don't even think he did spend time solo with them until after we were married oh wow just it just worked out that way yeah. um but also yeah. I wanted to make sure, absolutely sure there are lots of horror stories out there and Oh for sure yeah. um, but they I think they I would say they appreciated being part of every aspect of it yeah. um and I didn't tell them specifically oh I've met this guy that I really like and I'm going out on lots of dates with him so they didn't even really necessarily know about Davin specifically until we were on the mo- way to the movies to meet him Okay, and, and Bingham said, Mom, is the person that we're going to the movies with a boy? And I said, yes, Cute. he's a boy. And Bingham goes, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then similarly, when it, finally Davin, I guess it wasn't finally, he asked me a few times, but when I said yes and I told them, Bingham, Bingham's reaction to the news was, I knew it.
0: Cute. So,
1: so, yeah, I think they felt like they knew the whole time, and yeah, in some ways, felt like they had a little bit of control the whole time,
0: yeah, and that they could pray for it too mm-hmm. um yeah stan you 're a psychologist um, where how how was it for you to help pro your your grandsons process some of this and even instilling i mean it sounds like these are pretty self aware little boys to be able to talk about their feelings and, you know, hear about mom dating and, and those kind of things. What was that process for you?
2: Mostly I provided a support role to Carolyn and to Lizzie in um, helping them. Um, Grief loss is a part of our human experience. Not only is it a part of almost every Walt Disney show, it's a part of every superhero's life. And, yeah. um, most all superheroes have lost their fathers for sure. If not their parents. Um, it's just a part of our life experience. And without loss in one sense, there is no life. Uh, it's, it's both. Um, uh, unless an acorn falls to the ground and dies, it gives no new life. And so, um, I was mostly just a support role. Lizzie would ask me questions and I would provide information to kind of help her help them grieve. And Carolyn would, um, I had very few conversations with the boys directly, um, because mostly I had to go to work and, and help others. And so it, I, I would say the, the, the ladies did much more of that than I did. I was just providing some support to them and making sure that they had what they needed.
3: I would say I remember a conversation that we had in our living room when um, Devin was visiting, and we were just starting to get to know him. and. The rule still stood that Elizabeth had to take the boys and put them to bed. And so that gave us some time with Davin, just the two of us with him. And we had just really, uh, I think, some fairly deep conversation with him, even pretty early on. And we were both quite impressed with his um, Wisdom in terms of how this could play out and what kinds of things were going to be important. And I remember Stan asking him a question about discipline and about what he believed about disciplining children. And um, I was a little bit afraid of that question. But Stan's yeah. response was well, I think the most important thing in discipline is relationship. And so, until I have the boys' respect and they know where I'm coming from and I know where they're coming from, I'm leaving the discipline up to Elizabeth.
0: And then. Mic drop. <laughs> that's, like, oh. that's beautiful. Yep.
2: The general principle that he was tapping into is that discipline without relationship leads to rebellion. And so, he intuitively, from his own relationship with his father, um knew that that relationship was going to be very very important and that of course gave us some comfort in that um i'm
0: sure you're like okay you're in well yeah (laughs) Yeah.
2: you know one thing one thing i yeah just one thing i just i'm not sure how just from a spiritual standpoint we want to get with this but um I just I think of Psalm 23 that provides so much comfort that, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That we're never, ever alone in our grief or in life in general. And that that was something that each of us experienced um, throughout the process, that God was with us and, and he was going to see us through it. And because of that, we can do all things through him who gives us strength
0: so so true so true the truth of of that he will never leave us or forsake us that he is constantly present and we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and the ripple effects of of sin and the ripple effects of death are profound but what i see that you guys have done is you've taken what the enemy meant to destroy you and you've surrendered it, given it to the Lord and allowed for his work. And and Stan, you said something beautiful earlier on that that each and every day God gives you exactly what you need, not for tomorrow, but for today. And I think that's such an important thing to know that as we step in, to the day, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes it's the step of faith that God will give us what we need, that then it comes. It's always so faithful to be there. So thank you guys for being here and being willing to share your wisdom and your story. Unfortunately, this is a common thing. Death and, and single parenting is a common experience and um, I just it's it grieves me, but what I see what I see that you guys have done in it is that you've created a beautiful family and you've created something um very unique, but all families are unique, like you said, Lizzie. I love it. So thank you for being willing to just share your story and I really believe that it will be encouraging to people. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you, Ellie. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This concludes our series on family dynamics. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Make sure to tune in next week when we have a very special episode about a really fun event that I have on June 6th. We are going to be hosting a run, a 10-mile run virtual. Come hop on to the GoFundMe page, and we're going to have more information about that next week week. So please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Remember, there is healing and there is redemption in Jesus. And there's always hope. Hope is my middle name. We'll see you next week.